Proverbs chapter 3, starting on verse 1, and this is what the Word of God says. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and run and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty of your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Praise be to God for the reading of his word. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for your kindness to us. We thank you for your mercy and your grace that you have bestowed upon us. That we are awake, that we are here, we're gathered together in person as well as online. God, I pray that you would cool us, Lord, despite of this hot weather. But we're thankful for the mist that's before us. God, I pray that you remove any distraction even from this heat. I pray that our hearts and mind will be in tune to listen, to, to be attentive to your word. So help us bless your word as we'll listen to it. Grant me the opportunity, dear Lord, to, to speak with clarity. May you increase my affection to your word and to your people. God, help us understand your word and what you would have us receive today we give you praise and we thank you for indeed the the blessing of gathering to worship you in spirit and in truth may that be our attitude today god we thank you for this day in christ and my prayer amen all right so my eyeglass is going to be a troublemaker here uh, so you'll be, I'll be taking a break here and then and praying my iPad will not heat up like the MacBook did because it's really hot. So anything iPhone, if it's hot, it's, you guys are going to be in trouble. So use your, hard, um, your physical Bible if you have it. It's a warning. I hope I'll remember my notes today. So, all right. There's going to be a challenging message to every one of us as we have read uh, Proverbs chapter 3, believe it or not, we've, we're here for the last five weeks already in the book of Proverbs. Amen. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, two Sundays off from the pulpit to, to hear from Pastor Nash and Pastor Junior. And, um, you know, once in a while I take a break to get fed as well from our brothers. So I'm thankful for that. Well, this afternoon we can thank God for who He is. And because of who He is, we can trust Him to what? To keep His promises. What is it that you want God to do as you listen, as you come to worship? What is it that God, what you want God to do for you right now? What do you need to trust God 
So my beloved, again, I want us to focus on who God is as we look at this passage. The scripture, the Bible is full of promises. Some promises were specific uh, for people at specific times. Other promises apply to everyone who places their trust in the Lord. And maybe, and maybe this afternoon, whatever your situation, whatever your circumstances, whatever your challenge you need to take hold of His promise and to trust God to lead you and guide you and bless you. Because God is worthy of your trust. And the title of our message today is Trusting God. His love, His mercy, His grace, His power, every attribute you can think of that are part of His nature means that when God promises to work in you and through you, He will accomplish His plan and His purpose in life. And that's something I want us to take hold of as we listen. Again, church, what do you need to do? What do you need to trust God to do. The first thing I want us to look at in verse 1 and 2. Number 1, if we trust God, we will be obedient to Him when obedience is difficult. We will be obedient to Him when obedience is difficult. If we trust God. If you look back in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 1, my son, again King Solomon, the father begins with, with an admonition to the, for the son to preserve his teachings. He is instructed to what? Do not forget my teachings. Dad, how, how, and parents, how many times have you talked to your children and reminded them, do not forget? The moment they leave the house, what happens? They forget. <laughs> right? So that's a seasoned mom right there, right? And my wife tends to forget a lot of things. She's the daughter. So again here, do not forget my teachings. Because if the son forgot his father's teaching, he would take his place among the apostates. The father admonished his son to follow his teaching because he was informed by God's law. In contrast to forgetting God's law, the son was instructed to let your heart keep my commands. Not just to forget his father's teaching, but also to keep his commands. Which conveys the notion, not just mere obedience, but wholehearted, willing obedience. Again, this is what we get. We will be obedient to him when obedience is difficult. The benefit of keeping God's law is expressed in verse 2. It says, The Son, by keeping God's law, will receive length of days and years of life. So there's a benefit, amen? When you are listening to your parents' direction or teachings, and when you are keeping their commands, what happened here, you're also instructed you will receive length of days and years of life. So this promise echoes the promise given in the fifth commandment which is what Deuteronomy chapter 5 speak to me honor your father and mother and what happens after that when you honor them is you'll have you'll live long life amen you would want that amen 
you would want by the grace of God to live a long life. There is a result there is a, that you will receive long life, each, each every one of us. I, I love the reference here in this verse 1 and 2. Abundant life in fellowship with the eternal and living God. You see, the Mosaic Law promised uh, prosperity and, and long life to Israel if, if the nation would keep God's law, right? And that's something that they've understood. When it comes to the Mosaic Law, the people of Israel understood that if I honor, if I follow their commands, and if I would keep God's law, even though you would see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3 in the New Testament, and how I was also portrayed in there by the Apostle Paul. Not only was the son promised long days, but long days with, read it in Proverbs chapter 3. You will have what? Peace. Amen. You will have the shalom, right? It says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Not just long life, but you'll have also peace in your life. This suggests every sufficiency and good fortune a life filled with inner contentment, delight, joy, and pleasure as a gift from God. See, when you and I obey our parents, we follow their instructions and, and their law and their commands, we will have that peace. Peace in the Old Testament was more comprehensive. It is inner peace as well as peace within the land. When you look at the book of Philippians chapter 4, this is probably one of your favorite passages to memorize. If you look back to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4, 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and, says what? And the peace of God, right? That peace, is about, it's about inner peace. Whatever that's happening in your life, it, it, and Paul says, do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything, but rather pray. And, and the result of that is when you seek God, is what happens? you will experience this inner peace, this, this joy. Because Jesus had assured His disciples that following Him in this world will result in conflict in John 16 verse 33. Having issued a general command to obey God's law, the Father offered a more specific admonition. If you go back to Proverbs 3, verse 3 says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, Bind them around your neck, write them down in the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. The idea in verses 3 and 4 flows from the previous passage that we read. You see, if he, if he keeps God's law, he will maintain and not forsake steadfast love and faithfulness. In other translation, mercy and truth in the NASB. See, the Son must continually display the human virtues of kindness and truthfulness toward others, rather than forsaking mercy or steadfast love and faithfulness. The Son must bind them around where? Around His neck. 
is a picture of an ornament uh, as we have studied in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 89 furthermore what you see in verse 3 steadfast love and faithfulness it says here that must be guiding life principles which they will be if the son writes them on the tablet of their heart if the son obeys the instruction and displays kindness and truth to those who need it he will receive favor from God and man you, you, you see this is when you show kindness to others when you show steadfast love to others what happened God grants you and you will receive favor from God and as well as from man by acting in such a way the son would receive favor in the Old Testament it is grace right so he will receive grace from God as well as high esteem from man again the reader that's us needs to be aware of the distinction between those under the Mosaic law and the New Testament Christians you see during the Mosaic era those who live by the Mosaic law and according to kindness and truthfulness within the Mosaic community were honored as a godly persons however the Christian should not assume a direct comparison the Christian by living according to kindness and truthfulness may not and probably won't receive honor from those of the world right there are times when you when you are living truthfulness and showing kindness how do people respond to you not favorable at times right however the here we will receive honor from those within the church thus far the admonition was to live in obedience to God's law when people truly live according to God's law they live according to kindness and truthfulness in what you see in verse 3 again if right it is important for us to continue to live our lives with truthfulness and faithfulness kindness to others however the sin nature within us encourages self-reliance and rebellion it's not natural for us to be kind right is it are you kind to your sisters to your brothers Kinda. right <laughs> maybe you're more kind and truthful to your supervisor right speak to me now you, you see the sin nature encourages people to trust no one not even God but only self and what self can accomplish therefore it is not surprising to find uh, following the admonition to keep God's command the command to in verse 3 uh, verse 5 and 6 if we trust God we will what acknowledge him If you read back to Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord, and that's our key message today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and, and He will make straight your paths. See, in verse 5 and 6, the Father admonished the Son to demonstrate active devotion to an attitude of trust. To an attitude of trust. Unfortunately, people tend to quote these verses in isolation from their context. 
people tend to gravitate to the gravitate to the world promise of God directing the promise one to his or her path whatever path that you choose many people tend to ignore the greater context demonstrated in the preceding and following verses so it's important that you don't just simply quote this passage trust in the Lord it is important that you read verse 1 2 3 and 4 and as well as 7 and 8 and following because in verses 1 through 4 the father encouraged the son to keep or preserve God's instruction he was not only commanded to receive instructions in chapter 1 and 2 but to keep it to not let it go to to be continuously obedient to God's law in his life this implies that there are times in life when people can become desperate for a good outcome which will likewise tempt them to use their own thinking to solve their problems so therefore the instruction to the son was to what to keep to keep the commands to not let them go once he received them in other words verses 1 through 4 it emphasized obedience Likewise, verses 7 through 12 continue that the theme of obedience to God's law. Those people who are not determined to walk in God's laws do not have any right to claim the promises of verses 5 and 6. Listen, those people who are not determined to walk in God's laws or God's commands do not have any right to claim this promise trust in the Lord right and this is what we see in verse 5 and 6 so in verses 5 and 6 the son is admonished to trust the Lord obedience requires trust those who do not trust God will not walk in obedience to his word those who do not trust God will not walk in obedience to his word do you trust God those who do not trust God view God's instruction as suspect and untrustworthy and they will rely upon their own understanding rather than God's. Only those who trust God will be willing and able to believe He knows best and that His commands are best. The question is, do you truly trust God? Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ? Because again, church, it is important for us that obedience requires trust that you ought to be following God in your life trust enables a person to continue to walk according to God's instruction right so again do you see this because a lot of people would quote this first you know what I'm trusting God right now but how are you trusting God in your life in the midst of your difficulty in the midst of your challenges so the son was encouraged to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It says trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh. Trusting God involves two things. Assurance that he can uphold his moral order and a willingness to obey him in perplexing times of life, in whatever difficulties or challenges in your life, that you have this willingness to obey God in your life. Desperate times cause desperate actions, leading people to forsake God's wisdom, forsaking God's instruction and relying 
upon one's own wisdom is simply a demonstration of a lack of faith in God and His wisdom. It is empty to say we trust God if you are not willing to obey Him when situations become difficult or confusing. Again, a lot of people would tend to gravitate to that idea that yes, I trust God, but, what, but when they're in the midst of that difficulty, when we're in the midst of that affliction, are they, how are they trusting God? How are you trusting God? If you are not willing to obey Him in those situations, are you really saying that you're trusting God? What is God saying in your trouble? I'm not sure where you are in your life today. If you're going through some difficulties or challenges or confusion that you need to trust God and in His Word, what is God saying in your trouble? Your question perhaps, why is this happening? And God could say to you and will say to you, trust me. What is your sovereign plan? And what does God say? Trust me. What are your purposes in my affliction? What are your purposes in my trial? What does God say? Trust me. How can this be good for me? And God says what? Trust me. God is teaching us to what? To trust Him. When we place our trust in Him, we are trusting in the only one who already knows what will happen. Amen? That's the comfort that you and I have. That's the peace that King Solomon is talking about as he talks to his son. We are trusting in the only one who already knows what will happen, what he has ordained will happen. If you could see our circumstances and situations as God sees them, I'm convinced we would react and behave differently when we face trials and temptations or even tribulations. Our eternal God sees the big picture. He, he sees the beginning, He sees the middle, and He sees the end. The question is, are you confident that God is able to do it? I want you to really take this to heart, church. Will you trust Him? Will you trust the fact that God is God? Will you trust Him to do what He's able to do? Will you trust Him to do what He will do? Will you let God be God? Can I tell you, it is not biblical to say, right? Let go and, what was that say? Let go and let God. See, that's why I don't memorize that because it's not biblical. Because, again, church, the challenge before us is, will you let God be God in your life? But when He has shown you His promises in your life, when He has acted upon you in so many things in your life, even in the midst of your trials, in your challenges, in your relationship, whatever it may be, let God be God in your life. Amen? Whatever heartaches, whatever difficulties, whatever challenges that you're facing at this very moment, the question again, church, will you move forward in faith this afternoon? Will you stop being in just like wondering what's happening in your life? Let God be God in your life. He is more than able. He is sovereign. 
You see, church, God wants us, all of us, to move forward in faith. He wants us to move forward. God wants all of us to grow in trust. Perhaps that's your prayer today. I was overhearing my wife with her discipleship group or her accountability group this past week. And how I remember in the early, in the early years of our ministry, I think we were not a church yet. I think it would just be a Bible study uh, group. Right, Joe? Where I challenged Dalmonte and the Graza, and I pray this to our church, God increase our faith. Increase our faith. So that whole team, right, that whole time, and I was praying, and I would pray specifically to specific individual in our church, in our Bible study group at that time. I said, Lord, this person need, I didn't say, you know, like, I would, I'm specific, but it was, an, it, it was for everyone, right? And so when I prayed that God would increase faith in each, every one of us, guess what happened? God sent a big trials in, in, in the life of Jackie and Mark with, in, in the life of AJ. Is it AJ? Yeah, it is AJ. I'm, I'm getting, I remember those days right we pray specifically we pray for and God has allowed them to be strengthened and to grow again the, ch the challenge before us churches it is for us that God wants all of us to grow in trust to trust him I know it's difficult I know it's challenging right but maybe that is a prayer that you want today God wants all of us to be in a place where we're willing to allow Him to fully work in us and through us. I believe that's where God wants us to be and I trust Him that He is able and willing to do it. So if you think where you are in your life today, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties, whatever confusion that you may have or uncertainties, even this pandemic that we find ourselves in the last couple of six, eight months, Knowing that God is more than able. Right? He, he has provided us some mist so we can enjoy this time. Right? This morning I woke up, Lord, grant us uh, a cool weather. Instead, He provided mist. Right? Trusting God not only involves living according to His wisdom, it also involves letting go of self-confidence. You see, that's, that's the problem, and, and that's a difficulty that we're not able to fully trust God, because why? I got this! You, you have this tough confidence that, you know what, I got this, God, don't worry about it. But rather, as a child of God, we, we need to really let go, right? It, it really relieves. It, it is that says in First Peter that when you cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you, it is a, it's a, that word casting, cast. It's just literally letting go. Let God handle that part of your life, whatever it may be. So in this case, in this, in, in this chapter, in this book, it is this perceived of, of, of wisdom. That you have this knowledge, or you have this wisdom, that you have difficult trusting God. So let that wisdom that you have, you have to let it go. So the son was commanded, let not your own understanding, let not on your own understanding. We have the sinful tendency of thinking too highly, listen, 
to highly of what? Of yourself. See that? We have the sinful tendency of thinking too highly of yourself. Not me. I don't think like that of myself. Right? You know what I'm saying? No, that's everyone's problem. Right? I, I, I mean, my kids love to, love to say, I'm a pro. Right? That's, that's a key word in our home for the last couple of months. I don't know where, that, where they got that from, right? So every little thing, I'm a pro, right? I'm a pro of this, I'm a pro of that. We, we have this self-confidence. We have this, we, we highly, we have this abilities of, of our goodness, of our own wisdom. So we have this sinful, I said, can I say this again, church? It's a sinful tendency of thinking of highly of yourself. Amen? Because when you do that, what happened? What happened in, in Babel? Right? When people think, when government thinks they're over or they're above God, what happens? You don't want to play with God. So again, church, here, it is a command not to lean on your own understanding. So we need the humility to recognize that our wisdom is limited and often flawed. You have to acknowledge that. I have to acknowledge that. I need to recognize, I need to humble myself that my wisdom is very limited. And I know that for a fact. However, our infinite God, our God who is all-knowing and all-wise, and therefore as we should be encouraged to order our lives according to His instruction, not by our feeble or self-seeking thoughts. You see, faith in God's promises and renouncing confidence in oneself are unnatural and gifts to God. Trusting God also means to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. In this context, acknowledge does not mean to confess, but to recognize the Lord's rights and authority. And, and this is why we're talking about trust in the Lord. When we talk about Lord in the New Testament, what's that referred to? That He has full control of your life. Amen? That He has that authority. That He has that right. Right? It's kind of like you have that picture like in evangelism. You have a picture, right? And, and then Jesus Christ is sitting right in the middle of your heart. Or, or a cross is sitting. It's right or pictured right in the middle of your heart. See, when we go through life with a conscious acknowledgement of Him. Of His presence our attachment to Him, our submission to His sovereignty and our need to follow Him, we will be protected from foolish decisions. And that's what it's talking about when, it, when, we're, when we're talking about trusting in the Lord. When we are really submitting to who God is, to His sovereignty, that God is in control. No matter what's happening in your life, what's happening in my life, that God is, is, is sovereign, do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is sovereign in whatever's been happening for the last couple of months? Since February or, or, or yes, right? We may be going through different ways in, in this pandemic. But God is sovereign over all. You see, the key to following the Lord in such a manner is by growing close to Him. Knowledge about God is it, it, not enough. You must get close to Him, which involves making it a priority to spend time with Him and meditating upon His Word. 
Church, that's how you get to grow in the knowledge of who God is. When you spend time, as we have said last, from last Sunday's message in Proverbs chapter 2, the desire to grow, the desire to, uh, to, to make effort in knowing of who God is in His Word. So how are you making priority in spending time with God? How are you meditating upon His Word? You won't trust someone you don't have a personal relationship with. The more you know about God, the more, know, the more you know about His ability, His promises, the more you will be able to trust Him. Amen? But again, and you look at this, you will not trust someone you don't have a personal relationship with. So perhaps that's the reason why you lack trust in the first place. You really have to analyze and assess where your heart is for the last couple of months, even in this pandemic. How are you taking advantage of, of, of studying His Word and in prayer and meditating and, and, and studying and being in fellowship with God's people? You see, Solomon promised those who trust in God, He shall what? He shall direct your path, right? It is comforting to know that we are following Him. He imparts to us wisdom through His instruction. When we follow the instruction, we are being directed in our path. But this is not the path we choose and, and try to convince God to bless. Rather, this is the path that He determines for us in, in which He guides us as we submit to His wisdom and sovereignty. That is important, church, for us to truly understand that. Like, you know, when, when people think, when they read this passage, just these two verses alone, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. So, and, and there are people who tend to use this passage. You know, I'm trusting God, but for some reason, He's not giving me the, the, that woman that I've been desiring, that I've been lusting after. Do you hear me? Even that I've been coveting that nice Tesla, and how come God has not been directing me in that path? Or even to that job that I know I'm going to be spending a lot of hours in that. Does that make sense? Church, it is so important for us that the path that He determines for us, in which He guides us, we, we submit to His wisdom and sovereignty. If you want to know where God is taking you, you need to seek His Word. Amen? You need to seek wise counsel from your brothers and your sisters in the faith. To, to disregard His instruction and go through life according to our gut feelings, our emotional reactions, our results in us strays from His ways. Rather than making hasty decisions which result in regret, we must yield to His Lordship in every situation. Knowing that He will order our lives according to His will and wisdom, this will help us to order our steps in accordance with His instruction and will result in walking in His path. The question is, how is your trust today? Write, write that down. Make it a big note. 
in your note, right? Big letters. How is my trust today? Are you living your life in the knowledge and confidence of Him? In His Word? His sovereignty over you? Is it, 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 how are you living? Are you living in that way? Are you trying to solve the problems of your life according to your limited understanding? And at times contaminated? We are commanded to live in obedience to Him. However, we will not obey Him if we do not trust Him. When we trust God, we, we will obey Him. And then He will guide us in the right way. So, you see that? When you look at verse 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and put 5 and 6 together, this is what it looks like for us to trusting in the Lord. That obedience plays a big part. Perhaps we need to confess ways that you rely on your own strength instead of God. May this be an opportunity for us tonight, or today, to really confess whatever ways that you rely on your strength. Whatever it may be. Think and stop for a moment. Because the Bible is a command for us to not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust God, to rely on Him. Thus your self-dependence extends to other areas, your family, your health, even your salvation. If you're anxious and self-reliant, could the root of the problem be a lack of saving faith in Christ? If so, you need to go to Him today. Confess your sins and, fi and find peace in Him. You, you, you may need that relationship. You probably need that relationship first and foremost. If you have this anxiety or self-reliant, but you probably not have this relationship with Jesus Christ. Number four, if we trust God, we will recognize that He is far wiser than us and we will not rely upon our feeble intellect. If we trust God, we will recognize that He is far wiser than us and we will not rely upon our feeble intellect. You will remember in 5 and 6 that the son was instructed to lean at your own understanding but to trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, these two verses continue the theme of trusting God and that, that of obedience. With an admonition for the son to conduct himself in active devotion to an attitude of humility. In verse 5, 6 says, look, the son was instructed, do not be wise in your own eyes. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is clearly a continuation of instruction found in verse 5. The son would not rely upon his own understanding if he understood that he was not wise and that he needed wisdom. Obviously here, pride hinders people from gaining real wisdom. Those who think that they are wise will rely upon their own wisdom and will shun advice from others. In the New Testament, we, we find some of the godless men here in regards to verse seven, uh, verse 8. 
it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The result of this action says, look, will be health and strength. Sin affects the health of the body. There are physical consequences to sin and there are physical benefits to obedience. See, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Again, you have to look at verse, towards the end of verse 7 that you are called to what? To turn away from evil. Because the reality is that we get ourselves into much trouble because of our overinflated opinion or even wisdom of our mental ability. And there are times that because of sin in our lives, and you see this in verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment. And, and, and I want us to see here that even the godless man had physical ailment like Apostle Paul and even Timothy. But for our context, it is probably best to say that as we refrain from sin, as we avoid sin, we are protected from the physical problems which come through sin. Or the more we walk in God's ways, the less likely we are encounter physical problems. So if you turn your Bible to Psalm 32, verse 3. Psalm 32, verse 3. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And even in Psalm 51, verse 8. Again, here we see King David express the effects of sin upon his body. Number 5, verse 9 and 10 of Proverbs, chapter 3. We have an admonition to conduct oneself in active devotion through active worship. In verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Worship involves ascribing to God His worth. And this involves a departure from all things which are less worthy with our affections away from God. See, find a person who is obsessed with acquiring and retaining money and you will find what kind of person and spiritual man or woman if God is our primary love if God is our main love then we will honor the Lord with our what with our possessions we will give back to God in recognition of the fact that he was the one who provided to us so here's an opportunity for us to search our hearts once again in regards to how we handle the very possession that God has blessed us with the job that God has given us, the money that God has provided for us, how are we, how are we being good stewards of those things? When God is our main love, we will give Him the priority when it comes to deciding how and where to spend our money. Listen, this could be a sensitive area in your life. Pastor, you're talking about money. 
right? But his church is a great reminder for us. Very important for us to really analyze and assess our own hearts. We'll, we will give him the priority, amen? amen? When it comes to deciding how and where to spend our money. Before anything else is done with our possession, we should set aside some for who? For me, amen? No, is that what it says? No, set it aside for the Lord, right? So before anything else is done with your money, right? So you got a check from the government, what happens? Right, they encourage you to what? To spend it, right? You got this extra 500, 1500, it really depends on how many kids you have in your home, right? And you're like, oh man, I got this money, let's go shopping. But again, church, King Solomon said, Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your produce or your increase. The first fruits, not to be confused with the Old Testament tithes, were those vegetables and fruits which were harvested at the beginning of the harvest in Exodus chapter 13, verse 11 through 16, which were often considered the best. Furthermore, the reader needs to consider the context of obedience and trust. Again, we're looking back in verses 1 when we're looking about our own possessions. First thing, you need to consider your obedience. You need to consider your trust in the Lord. The obedient one will honor God through giving. The one who fails to give to God or the one who gives grudgingly to God does not honor God right you probably came with a check and said you know God I got this for you right but how are we to give the one who fails to give to God or the one who gives grudgingly to God does not honor God additionally only faith in God will enable a person to generously give to God That's, we are called to give joyfully so Solomon promised, says, plenty and new wine to those who honor God with their material substances. The plenty described in verse 10 must be understood in light of the Mosaic Covenant and its promises of fertile land in Israel would keep the covenant. There will be blessing and the land will be plenty if you obey and trust God, if you would keep His commandment. The New Testament giving is no longer based on the Old Testament giving laws, harvest, tithes, sacrifices, which were used to support the temple worship, the priests, the Levites. But rather, as we are New Testament believers, we are commanded to be members of a local church in Acts 20, verse 40 through 47, and to give generously for the support and maintenance of their local church. That's how we're commanded. That's why we're able to enjoy this mist. We pay for our bill. Amen? With your giving, with your generosity, we're able to have electricity. Right? We're able to pay our rent in a monthly basis without problem because of your generosity. Amen? Amen. So thank you for your generosity. A good principle still exists in this passage. The Lord should have what? 
the priority. Before we use our money to pay our bills, before we use our money to purchase our needs, or to finance our entertainment or vacation, we must lay aside a portion of what God has given us so that we can give it back to whom? To Him. Right? How many of you have that kind of discipline? How many of you have that kind of practice? Right? And being able to know that the blessings that God has bestowed upon us, that we are called to set them aside. Right? But no, no, Pastor, you know, I, I got bills to pay. How are you trusting God? How are you trusting God? I'm sure you could remember a story in your life, a moment, a circumstance in your life where God has provided for you. That you're faithfully giving to the local church for His glory and for His honor. If we waited until our taxes and bills were paid and our toys were purchased, we would not have much left over for the Lord, right? If we love the Lord as we ought, then our first consideration will be in giving back to God through grateful worship. And that's part of is what? And this is why we say encouraging our church is worship in giving. We worship God through our giving. We certainly could abstract the promise of verse 10 by remembering God's New Testament promises of providing for those who exercise the priority of giving to Him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, what happens? What does the passage say? Seek first the kingdom of God. But it says, but seek first. Because when you look at the previous verses, and the list of all those things in verse 6 in, in third, th 33 in chapter 6 but seek first the kingdom of God there's a priority of seeking God instead of worrying about the stuff that you have that you need that even what you want you are to trust God so can I ask you a question in regards to this passage do you honor God by generously giving back to God from your first fruits? Or do you dishonor Him with the leftovers? Again, this is something that you and I need to search our hearts individually. This is not something that I, I, I have to um, push or mandate every one of you. You want to worship God? Worship Him through your giving. Give generously, joyfully, right? How can you give the Lord your first fruits? Not your leftovers. How many of you like love leftovers? Maybe there's a few of you. Right? When someone takes home and gives me a leftover in and out, what do I say? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, but Am I, it, was there a joy, like, man, it, it, the, the smell is gone. <laughs> that fresh onion is gone. It smells like Arthur. <laughs> right? Good thing he got showered today when he walked in, right? But you know what I'm talking about? You don't want God, you don't want to give God your leftovers. 
whether it be in your ministry, whether it be in your service. Oh, I'm available today, pastors. You know what? I'll show up. Right? No, God wants all of you. Not just in our giving, even in our time. We, we need to make a priority for God. All that, oh, God can wait. Right? I mean, with this pandemic, how many times have you heard that Christ is coming soon? Very, very soon. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. How many of churches or believers are praying for that? If you know, and that's, that's a certainty, it's when, not if, it's when. But how are you ready? How are you worshiping God? How are you spending time right now? What specific steps can you make in order to give God priority in your financial dealings? What specific steps can you make in order to give God priority? Right? Again, priority to God. Number six and last, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. We are reminded that sometimes bad circumstances come from a loving father. When we sin, we are straying from God's path, His ways. Therefore, God brings adverse, adverse circumstances in order to what? To correct us. Right? God's discipline is about what? Correcting us. Amen? Not to punish us. Right? How many of your parents, when you uh, discipline your children, did you do it with, uh, as a punishment to them or as a correction? The son is commanded, do not despise the, the discipline or the chastening of the Lord. God's discipline is not punishment, rather it is correction. Listen, listen. When you sense that God is disciplining you, and that's a good thing, amen? Hebrews tells us that. Proverbs tells us that when, when God is disciplining us, it is for our own good. So one thing that we... Um, promote or um, encourage in our church if you're living in sin you're not we're not gonna kick you out of the church amen we're here to correct you you're, we're here to make sure that you're gonna walk in the right path before God not just you that's include that's including me we, we, we recommend we, we encourage um, church discipline in our church for the purpose of correction, for the purpose of bringing you back into a right relationship with God. Not to humiliate you, not to kick you out of the church. How many of you got kicked out of the church? Amen? No one wants to, no one wants to admit? Okay. There's a few here, I know. I'm not going to say name names. So here, the, this discipline may be verbal, like instruction or corporal painful situations. When the father's admonitions are violated, the son can expect the Lord to back it up with a spanking to prevent the wrong from becoming habitual. 
See, there's a reason that God brings people in our lives when we're sinning. That it is to correct us so we will, that we will not go deeper into sin and far away and walk away from God. You should embrace those people that comes into your life and correct you when you're not, when you're not living right before a holy God. So again, the son is reminded that God's discipline is proof of His love. Listen, when you think, when you sense that you are being disciplined by God, when He's spanking you per se, because He loves you. He loves you, that you are His son, that you are His daughter. That's good news. You can find comfort in that. Instead, do not retaliate by running away and by ignoring the God's command or discipline in your life. Just as a loving father does not withhold loving correction from his children. This verse is obviously the inspiration behind the writer of Hebrews' admonition found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 12. In that passage, the born-again Christian is told not to despise God's discipline. God's discipline as chastening is a result of God's loving favor for His own. Because He loves His own, He wants to correct them so that they will walk in righteousness. Right? How many of you fathers here are not correcting your children? Right? You're correcting them, you're disciplining them, because why? You love them. You want them to continue to walk in God's righteousness, in His ways. Those who claim to be Christian yet continue in sin without, uh, without any apparent chastening are false believer, believers. They're illegitimate children when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 12. Because all believers are disciplined by God. If you are a child of God, if you are a genuine child of God, that you have a personal relationship with God, this is something that is comforting. The love of God is upon me. Again, when you read the book of Psalm 32, Psalm 51, when you see King David expresses his own heart in how he had sinned before God and how God was with him in light of his sin. God was with him. God showed his love to King David despite of his sin. And God does that to us too. Amen? He was never far away from us. So the question is, how do you respond when difficult times happen or when God disciplines you for sin? How do you respond? How, how should you view difficulties or God's discipline in your life? In closing, the promises, the promises of God is there for you. The question is, as we look at this passage in verses 1 through 12, if the promise of God is there for you and for me, will you trust it? Will, will you trust Him? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Don't allow, don't allow the circumstance to take your eyes off the promise of God, 
Don't dismiss the promise of God. Rather, trust Him. Here's a great opportunity for you and I, church, to really look at our own hearts and where we are when it comes to our relationship of trusting God. Don't dismiss the promise of God. Whatever your circumstance, God is the answer. So write that down. Whatever my situation, whatever my current circumstance, God is the answer. The Word of God is the answer. You can see God's answer there. There's a promise. And there's a circumstance and there's a God. And because God is, you can trust Him because He is with you. He is with you. One thing I love about Joshua chapter 1. When Joshua was called to lead God's people. And God says, do not fear. Because I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Even in Matthew chapter 28, towards the end, verse 19 through 20. Right? You, you see the God's promise. I will be with you. Where? In Norco. He will be with us. Do you see how this is fulfilled in Christ? It was Christ who bought us all the blessings and benefits of salvation. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. In John chapter 10 verse 10. He came to give peace. Right? That's something we see previously in chapter 3 verse 2. He grew in favor with God and man that we might enjoy the closest relationships with God and His people. Jesus trusted God perfectly and followed God as He led Him on the straight path where? Where did God lead Christ? To the cross. Christ obeyed. Christ followed His Father. Right? Jesus did not lash out or go limp, but, lo but loved God and His people to the end. Jesus gave us His comfort. His health and even His life so that we might have eternal comfort, that we might have eternal health and life that even begins here on earth. He sacrificed heaven's riches and gave away all that He had in order to enrich His people. Church, we have this call. It is to simply to trust God. You really need to analyze and really seek your own heart today. This, this section of chapter 3 is so much for us to take in. How would you respond to God?